1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 11. If you did not bring your Bible today, it will be on the screen. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I have delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here comes the gospel. That's the good part right here. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and you believe. Let's continue worshiping through. Well, good morning, church. Well, I know we just prayed, but I want to pray again. Not out of a sense of redundancy, but because I am convinced that without prayer, whatever I say, whatever I do, will be meaningless much of the Christian life, if we are not asking for the Spirit to help us, then we might as well just go home. So I want to ask the Spirit to help us this morning, to help me and to help each of us to hear from God, not to hear from me, but to hear a word from the Lord. So would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us, for your presence. We thank you, Father, for your Spirit that resides in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move among us this morning. You would speak the necessary words to us. Instruct us, guide us, help us to be ready and anxious to hear from you, I pray. Lord, use me as your servant. Use me to communicate your word effectively so that we might become the people that you call us to be. That is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. When I was in high school, For years, I had only known that my mother chose the name Kerwin because she found it in a book and liked the way it sounded. But there was no other reason. I endured dozens of mispronunciations. Kevin, Sherman, Kermit. But I hadn't taken the time to investigate for myself what my name actually meant until I was in high school made the mistake of finding out the meaning of Kerwin. It was with the help of my history teacher. We were curious, and so we discovered that the name has a Celtic origin. And there are two possibilities for the meaning. The first one being true to its Celtic roots. Yes, a Dominican with a Celtic name. The first one was Black Irish Boy. Hoping for some direction, uh, 
hoping for a possible second meeting, we kept looking. And to my disappointment, we found disappointment, we found out that the second possibility was swamp prayer. Just maybe if my mother had given a bit more thought to my name, I might have a meaning more meaningful than swamp friend, or a meaning that is more fitting than black Irish boy. I like my name, but its meaning has little to do with who I am. Have you taken the time to reflect on our church name, Good News Bible Church? about that first part for a bit of time. Good news. The gospel is in our name. We are a community named by the gospel. It should be fitting. A church whose very name is a synonym, a synonym for the gospel. But what if our name and identity have little to do with one another? What if we were a gospel community in name only? Like a Dominican with a Celtic name, what if we were just a group that carried a name that said nothing about who we are? Does our belief in the gospel shape who we are? Does the gospel govern our relationships with one another? Does the gospel give us a vision to see the world as it really is? Or are we a gospel community in name only? take a moment to think about our name and the gospel that gives our name meaning. You see, the gospel is central to our lives and our experience as a church. No other thing matters. No other thing can bring us together and no other thing can transform our lives and the lives of those around us. When we remember the gospel, we recognize its role in forming us as individuals and forming us as a community, as a body. If we believe the gospel, who we are and what we do will be rooted in our confession. The gospel is not an abstract statement of faith. The gospel names and shapes who we are. Over the past several months, we have been hearing from God through the book of 1 Corinthians. Through our sermon series, we have learned what it means to be members of one body. We've been challenged to give up our individuality for the sake of others. We learn to honor one another as men and women in the church. We've learned that the Holy Spirit has blessed us with spiritual gifts so that we can in turn bless others. So now, at the close of his letter, Paul reminds the church of the most important thing, the gospel. We are reminded of the gospel, we find out its significance for us as a people of God. So would you turn with me there again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Meet me there and follow along as I read. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For 
I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 believers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, Relationship is rooted in the gospel. 
declaration that we have been redeemed by God and empowered by the Spirit, we will only be able to experience broken family. Our family will be splintered between rival groups who join around their own interests or their own vision for the church. But if it is the gospel that joins us, that declaration of God's self-giving love for us, then we will be able to stand through conflict, through difficult circumstances, we will be able to stand as a community that is giving and sacrificing and as an expression of God's love. Remember the gospel. Paul writes this because the gospel is what gives meaning to all of our lives. Whatever has come before this chapter, whatever comes after this chapter is rooted in an understanding that the gospel is significant for the entire life of the believer gospel brought you into this community. It is what sustains you, and it is what gives you hope until the Lord returns. The gospel lays claim on the past, present, and future of every single believer. This is the gospel we have received. This is the gospel in which we stand. This is the gospel in which we are being saved. Notice the chronology of those statements. These descriptions are a sort of timeline. To borrow a metaphor from a theologian, it is as though Paul is showing the church a photo album. Each description is a page, a memory for the church to remember a particular time in history. Which you received. Look here, Paul gestures. This is when you first heard the gospel. This is when you believed it. When you were brought into the family of God, forgiven as a member of Christ's church. The gospel in which you stand. Paul turns a couple of pages. He says, oh, look at this one. This is a recent photograph. This is you being sustained by the gospel. Here you are standing firm in your identity as a redeemed person, walking and talking like someone gifted by the Spirit, by which you are being saved. Paul turns to the end of the photo album. He says, this is where the rest of the pictures will go. These pictures will be taken as you wait for the Lord to come back and complete his saving work. The gospel news, the good news rather, saved you. It is saving you now, and it will save you in the end. See, the gospel isn't just about our beginning, nor is it just about our end. The gospel is about all of life. When we believe the gospel, we believe that God has forgiven our past sins. We believe that God is with us in the present, guiding and helping us to remain faithful. And And we believe that God will come again to put an end to the enemy of sin and death. The gospel is what names and sustains us. That is, if we did not believe in vain. To believe in vain is to think carelessly of the implications of the gospel. To believe in vain is to forget the gospel, to have received the gospel in the beginning of our story, and then to leave it behind as if its usefulness has expired. We say we believe. Then we actually believe with all of our life. We cannot claim to be part of the family of God and then toss our confession aside. If you received the gospel, then you must stand in the gospel. Every day we have to recognize the call to live according to the call that we have received in God. 
we are members, Good News Bible Church, of this church. And if we are members of Good News, then you must believe the Good News. Does your life agree with your confession? Do you live as someone who believes? Not just on Sunday. I mean in all of your life. What do you think about? What do you hope for? Your relationships with others reflect your confession. The way you work, the way you interact with people around you. When others see you, do they see the gospel? If not, then remember the gospel. Remember that we are a people of the gospel. We are a people formed by and around the good news. But in order to understand what this really means, to be reminded of what the gospel actually is. What is this good news? What is this important declaration that we are going to confess together? The gospel is that declaration that says, Jesus died and rose from the dead for us. The gospel is the story of God's salvation made available for us through Jesus. Look at verse 3 with me, down to verse 7. For I delivered to you as a first importance, what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 believers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the Apostles. And we say we believe believing in God's work in Christ to bring about his plan of redemption. We can explain the gospel in many different ways, but put simply, the gospel is an announcement of what God has done in Christ. How did God bring salvation to the world? By Jesus' death and resurrection. Paul summarizes the gospel by four actions, all having to do with Christ. Christ died. Christ was buried, Christ was raised, and Christ appeared. The two most important actions in this description are explained as having been done in accordance with the Scriptures. That is, he was died, he died according to the Scriptures. He was raised according to the Scriptures. Paul doesn't have one particular passage in mind here. What he means to say is that this was done to fulfill God's plan, which has been revealed to us in all of Scripture. Christ's actions are the culmination of God's redemptive plan that started all the way back in Genesis. All throughout Scripture, we see that God has been acting to heal what was broken by our sin. Scripture has been leading us to this point. All along, God has been revealing Himself as our Redeemer, our Rescuer, the one who would make right what we have made wrong. It was according to the Scriptures that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died in our place. He was buried in two. The perfect Son of God gave Himself up in our place so that we can experience a right relationship with the Father. Without His sacrifice, we would stand guilty before God. Christ died for our sins. 
stood in our place and received the punishment of death so that we might have life. But we can't be guaranteed life by a dead Messiah. Yes, Christ's death means our penalty was received by him, but what about life? What guarantee do we have that by Jesus' death, you and I can have life? did Christ pay for our sins on the cross, he guaranteed our victory over sin and death when he was raised from the dead. The gospel is a declaration of victory. It is an announcement that God reigns. No enemy, not sin, not death, nothing can stand before our God. So our Savior appeared to his disciples. He appeared to Peter. Perhaps some might say, well, maybe Peter and the Twelve were just imagining things. Maybe they just dreamt it all up. Maybe it was a spiritual vision. They fell asleep and then the Lord appeared to them. But he also appeared to more than 500 believers at once. This wasn't a hallucination. This wasn't a dream. And Paul says, even at the time of this writing, there are some of those believers, most of the believers who are still alive. Some have gone on, some have passed away, but most of them are alive. So that if anyone had a question, if anyone needed to see evidence, they could ask one of these people and say, what did you see? And they would say, we saw the risen Savior. Not only did he show up and appear to 500 believers, he also appeared to his brother James, to the apostles. If anyone could say, this is not Jesus, it would have been his brother. James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus, was able to testify to this great reality that the Son of God was risen. Was risen indeed. So this was a demonstration of God's power. This was evidence that God had done a mighty work. Behold your God, the one who saves, the one who redeems, the one who defeats sin and death so that we might live. The gospel is about God. The way in which he has acted in Christ to bring us salvation. It is not about what we have done. It is not about our gifts, our social status. It is not about what we can do for God or what we can do in this society. It is about what God has done gospel is important because it is a work of God on our behalf. To live by the gospel is to receive what God is offering. So when I ask you, are you living according to the gospel? I only ask if you are living by the power that God has supplied. Don't ever forget that God is the one who is doing the work. Recognizing that God acted for uh, to bring us salvation does two things. First, it reminds us that by recognizing that God is the one who is acting, we recognize that we ourselves cannot please God. When we are worn down by sin, we cry out to God, the one who supplies the Spirit. When we are restless and weak, we turn to God, the one who is mighty, to save. 
And when we feel directionless, unsure of where God is or what God is doing, we hope in God who is mighty and faithful to save. God's gospel work, His work of salvation reminds us of of a second thing. His Spirit dwells inside of us. We will not be perfect. We will sin. But we must recognize that His Spirit leads us and empowers us to live faithfully. Gospel people are Spirit-led people. If we are people formed by the Gospel, then we must follow the leading of the Spirit. Are you pursuing God? Are you actively seeking to live according to His ways? Or are you living according to your own way? With a little bit of God tossed on the side. We are people formed by God. We are people formed by His gospel. And this gospel is a declaration that God has brought about our salvation in Christ. These things are true. And something will change inside of us. Why? Because the gospel transforms lives. By the grace of God, you and I can be living examples of the power of the gospel. Look at verses 8 through 11 with me. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so we believed. Paul's own life is a testimony to the effect the gospel can have on an individual. He describes himself as one untimely born, literally as a fetus aborted before his birth. My death was guaranteed, Paul says. I had no hope for life. But he appeared to me also. Christ offered Paul life. Paul was lost. He was an enemy, a murderer. He was on his way to persecute Christians when Christ appeared to him. gave him a new vision to see the world as it truly is. Paul was transformed. Before he was known as Saul, an enemy of the church of God. But after Christ, he was a new man, Paul, a minister of the gospel. What was it? How could someone have such a remarkable transformation? It was the grace of God. It was God's kindness and mercy that gave Paul's life meaning. It was the grace of God that made an unworthy man into a useful one. Through the gospel, Paul became a man who worked harder than any of them, not by his own strength, but by the grace of God. There is no sin too great that God's grace cannot forgive. There is no person too broken that God cannot restore. If God can make a murderer into the greatest missionary this world has ever seen, received God's forgiveness rather. You have never accepted the new life that God has made available to you through Christ 
and the Spirit, what is keeping you from doing so? There is nothing more important. There is no greater joy than experiencing this new life available through the gospel. We were dying without hope until Christ reached out his hand to save us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Christ came so that we might live. There is no life apart from the life that God is offering us. See, life without God is no life at all. Please don't misunderstand me. Life in Christ is not a small matter. It is not a colorful accessory that we can just add to a life already lived. Each one of us has to make a choice. Will we believe and live in the joy that God has set before us? Or will we ignore his call and continue in our unbelief? You see, there are only two options. You will either walk with God or walk away from God. So which one are you doing? Paul says, my life is a testimony to God's grace. Paul does not boast in what he can do. In Paul's mind, he could do nothing worthwhile apart from God. But with God's grace, his story can bless the rest of the body. His preaching is for our benefit. His testimony reveals God's grace. Throughout this letter, God has been reminding us that when he blesses one person, he does so in order to bless the whole community. If you have been given a word of encouragement, if you have been blessed with an experience with God, it is so that you can share it with the body. Your testimonies are a blessing to the rest of the body. They are reflections on God's work in your life. Our community needs to hear more testimonies. We need to hear them because they remind us that the gospel is doing a great work here. Testimonies invite us to hear and see what God is doing in each of our lives. There's an old practice in the Latin American church tradition of sharing testimonios during weekly gatherings. It's a way of doing life together. It reminds the church that God is active among his people. In my experience here at Good News, some of the most meaningful memories I have are times when we heard one another's testimonies during our Sunday services. I'm still encouraged today when I remember your stories. Stories shared by Jasmine Lugo, Ben Rosado, Jose Mendez. Your stories remind me that God is here. Your stories bring me joy and they challenge me to see God at work. Your stories are a witness to God's transforming gospel. We need to hear stories more often. We need to hear them from you. Testimonies should be a part of our rhythm. They should be a habit of the Good News Bible Church. Our rhythms and habits, those things that we do when we gather together. These are reminders, little reenactments of the gospel we believe. In our practices, our receiving of communion, our offerings, our singing, our hearing of God's word, these practices are forming who we are. In a few moments, we are going to partake in communion. We do this on the first Sunday of every month. It should never be a surprise to any of us. 
when we do it, we are reminding ourselves that we have been seated at the Lord's table because of this new covenant. When we drink of the juice, we are reenacting the fact that we are joined with God and with one another through Christ's blood. When we eat the broken cracker pieces, we are acknowledging that Christ's body has been broken for you and I. It is a recurring practice to remind us of who we are. So we're going to establish the new practice here at Good News. This is coming from our pastor, it's not from me. But we're going to establish a new practice. We're going to make it a habit to share testimonies in this church. In doing so, we will be reminding ourselves that we are a family of believers reconciled by God. On the last Sunday of every month, we are going to be establishing a time dedicated to hearing testimonies. Every month will serve as a reminder that the gospel transforms lives. We, as members of Good News Bible Church, will be given an opportunity to serve one another through the sharing of God's work in us. Each testimony will be different. Some will be stories of when we first heard the gospel. Others will be more recent reflections on what God is doing in our lives. Some stories might be celebrations. Other stories might be laments. But all will be a public confession that God is doing a work here. And it will help us to focus on our God. Not our work, not our victory, but God. Sometimes our testimonies will be evidence that we don't have it all figured out. We are vessels, often broken vessels, being used by God to show his grace to others. So here's my challenge. This new habit means that you should be ready to share what God is doing in your life. That means that you will have to be attentive to God's work in your own life. Has he encouraged you? comforted you and share it with God's people. This is what being the body is all about. Sharing, living, being a transformed people together in order to bring glory to God. We are a people formed by the good news that in Christ God has redeemed and transformed us. So what is in a name? What is good news? is in our very name. It tells us who we are and what we do. We are a family named and shaped by the gospel. May it be more than just a name. May it be more than just a confession. May it guide our every step as we await the coming glory of our Lord Jesus Christ with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for work that you are doing in our community. We thank you for the work that you have already done in us.